Hey guys, it is so good to be together. I was thinking as my friend Julio and Cheryl played, and there's this old uh, song, nursery rhyme, and it said, um, if I were a shepherd, I would bring a sheep, and if, if I were a wise man, then I would do my part. But what can I give him? What can I bring? I can give him my heart. And as my friend Julio uses his gifts to lead us in worship and to, to thaw our wintry hearts as we come to, to celebrate the, the mystery of God becoming one of us in order to save us from our sin and from ourselves, I couldn't help but be moved by the fact that God delights in that, in just our acts of worship, our simple obedience. And so you being here is an act that God takes joy in and pleasure in because he loves you desperately. My name's Andrew, and I'm the pastor here, and together we are Oakland, and we get together every week to be reminded who we are and whose we are, that we belong heart, body, mind, and soul to the God of the universe who created us in our mother's womb, and then when we had rebelled against him, bought us back at the cost of his only son, Jesus. We're prone to forget that and live as though we're the center of our own lives. And when we do so, we hurt one another, we hurt ourselves, and we hurt God's heart. And we don't want to live like that. And so we get together to learn from God's Word and to learn from our own experience that we might live lives transformed by God's grace. Whether you believe that or whether you're here because somebody drug you here, we believe that you're here because God wanted you here and He has something He wants to tell you if you will listen. We pray that we've been praying for you for months, for this night, that you would be here and that you would hear what we want to share, what God wants to share with you. Tonight is, uh, it, for Christians, this is the second most miraculous, astounding, surprising, and confounding day in history. The day Jesus is born is short only to the day Jesus rises from the, day, the grave, which we celebrate at Easter. And so we are going to come together and wonder tonight. There's nothing fancy. We will just tell the old story once more. We will hear the familiar words and the familiar songs, and we will let it wash over us again as one more of so many I love you's that God has spoken to us. In our own feeble way, lighting of candles and taking communion, we will respond to God's great declaration of love in Jesus Christ with our own I love you too. I pray that you will attend to it the only announcement I have is that we will worship together tomorrow morning at 10.30 as a family. And kids, I know you guys are here. Um, you guys are, I'm, you're welcome here. I love that you're here, um, and, and I hope you pay attention. And if you get distracted or whatever, I won't be mad at you at all. I was a kid one time. Uh, but tomorrow morning, you get to bring a, a toy or a present that you got. You get to bring that to church at 10.30, and you get to bring it in here. And we're going to talk about how that toy is connected to Jesus. So 10.30 Every kid can bring uh, one present that they unwrapped, and we will talk about it together. I'm pumped to be with you all tonight. Let's worship God together as we sing our first carol. If you will turn in your hymn books to page 249, we will sing, O Come, All Ye Faithful. Please stand to sing. Oh, come, are ye faithful?
it, but we're going to say a prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, you have sent your son as a baby, wrapped in, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger. And you tell us that we are to call him Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And God, we often call on you as our Father, but we don't like it when you chastise us. And God, we often call you Mighty, but we don't put our trust and our hope in you when things aren't going our way. And God, we call you counselor, but oftentimes we don't look to you for counsel. So God, tonight we pray that you open our hearts and our minds to all of these titles that you are, and that we are open our hearts to who you are, and that we realize that you gave us the greatest gift we could ever ask for, Jesus Christ. In your heavenly name we pray, amen. You may amen. be seated. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in the manger. Tonight, angels far and near sing tender lullabies, well-worn fabric full of years, holding the warmth of parental love. Animals and shepherds crowding tight, glowing with adoration, while a muffled cry squeezes out to greet the world. Tonight, we give thanks for every child among us. Each new birth, regardless of circumstances, reminds us of the preciousness of life, the potential of tomorrow, and the promise of God. On this Christmas Eve, we light the Christ candle for the Child King, the Infant Redeemer, the Lowly Lord, and now we know he is born and nothing will ever be the same. Thanks, you guys. In our house, the, the greatest honor one can get at mealtimes is the privilege of lighting the candles. And second is blowing them out. And so you guys just got our highest honor. Ah. Gather round, ye children, come. Listen to the old, old story of an infant born in glory, Son of God, Son of Man. Friends, in the beginning, 
was God. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit existing throughout all eternity and community. The only God in the history of the world that has existed in community. So Christians have declared that this God is love. Because God has always loved the Father loving the Son, the Son loving the Holy Spirit, the Spirit loving the Father, giving and receiving, self-giving, offering to one another in eternity. And there in eternity, enjoying perfect community, they look at each other and say, we have got to share this goodness. And God says, I'm going to make me a world. And there in the, the chaos and nothingness, there in the, there out of the void, God says, let there be light. And there was light. And then he separates the light and the darkness. He says, let there be uh, waters. And, and he divides the waters in the sky and the waters on the ground. And then he separates them and he creates this world. And, and then he fills it full of animals in the sky, and animals in the sea, and animals on the land. And then at the climax of creation, you hear God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit just crescendoing in joy like jazz artists rifting off of one another. Improvisation over melody over improvisation over melody. Like Coltrane and B.B. King sitting together with Miles Davis. Until finally it crescendos to that moment where God says, Let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness. Let us make them. And he does. And male and female who creates them in his image. And he breathes the breath of life in them. These walking, talking temples of, of the Holy Ghost who will reflect God's image everywhere. Who will shepherd God's good earth. Who will fill the earth full of God honoring, God representing, God imaging, God mirroring creatures. Who will bless and be a blessing to all that is around them, who have incredible capabilities, ability for reason and language, and so God can talk to them, the ability for relationship and love, and so God can relate to them person to person, individual to individual, the ability to hear God walking in the garden, and the ability to make choices. For apart from choice, there is no love. And there in that choice, God does what every lover does. He tells about his heart and he, he, he makes himself vulnerable and he says, you can eat of any tree, of any, any fruit of any tree in the garden except for one. The day you eat of that fruit, you shall surely die. And we're told that not very long after the woman is deceived by the serpent and she takes the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and she eats she gives some to her husband, and he eats. And the world is plunged into deepest darkness. No longer does Adam trust God. No longer does he trust his wife. No longer does man and woman see one another as bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Instead, your desire shall be for your husband, and he will lord it over you. In great pain and turmoil, you will give birth to your children. And with great pain and the sweat of your brow, will you bring forth food from the earth. The world is plunged into darkness. 
And yet God does not give up on it. God immediately sets to, to, to the rights to fixing what is broken. And so God sends messenger after messenger there in the garden. He takes Adam and Eve and he promises this promise. He says, a son of Eve, a human, will crush the head of the serpent, will destroy evil forever. A human child will destroy evil forever. And then God sacrifices an animal and makes clothes for Adam and Eve and he sends them off. Later, God will send, uh, it will call a man named Abraham, and, and then he'll call a man named Moses, and then he'll call a man like David, and then he'll send prophet after prophet to prepare the people for the light that is coming back into the world. You see, God is now bringing the light back into the world. The world may lay in darkness still. We may still see only dimly, but light is coming. And so God sends prophecy after prophecy, things like this. You will see the virgin will be with child and she will give birth and you will call him Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. He will sit on the throne of David and the reign, his reign will have no ending. You hear prophecy that says as sure as the sun will rise tomorrow, God will come to us. The very last prophecy in the Old Testament, the very end of the book of Malachi, the Lord says, Behold, I will come to my temple, and I will do- make my dwelling among you. And then the world goes silent for 400 years, and God, does, God doesn't say anything through any prophets anywhere. And people begin to wonder if God is still in the business of making things right, of bringing the light back into this dark, dark world. And we're told in the days of King Herod, There was a priest named Zechariah who was of the order of Abijah. And once, while he was on duty serving as a priest in the house of the Lord, he was chosen by lot to go into the temple to pray and to light the candles there on the altar. Zechariah was a righteous man who followed God's commands and trusted God, but... He was childless for his wife Elizabeth was barren. And now Zechariah is an old man and he's had one desire for his whole life that he would have a child, that he would have a child he could call his own and now much too old. He's there in the temple praying for this child he never had, asking why. And an angel of the Lord, the angel Gabriel, appears and says, Zechariah, you will have a son. You will conceive, your, your wife Elizabeth will conceive in her old age. And he's going to be a mighty man of God. He's going to have the, the power of the Holy Spirit on him from birth. He will never drink wine or strong drink. And he's going to turn the hearts of many people back to the Lord. He's going to prepare a people ready for the coming of the Lord. That light is coming, that this is the time that I've been preparing for, that light has come. And Zechariah, I want you to be a part of it. Zechariah, are you in? And there in the temple, Zechariah has to make a choice. Will he welcome the light or will he resent God for not doing things his way? For waiting for 60, 70, who knows how many years before he gets to have a child. Will he resent God for the time he has spent waiting? Will he resent God that when he does have his prayers answered, he, doesn't, he now has to play second fiddle. He doesn't get to birth the Messiah, he gets to birth the forerunner to the Messiah. And Zechariah there in the temple asks questions, but ultimately chooses to welcome the light. And so he comes and he leaves the, he leaves the temple there. 
And he goes home, and he risks his retirement, and he risks all the golden years when he could just sit at home and do nothing and watch Matlock in order to raise a child. Everything changes if he welcomes the light, and yet he welcomes the light. We're told, and uh, not long after that, that, in, uh, that, that the angel Gabriel was sent again, this time to a young woman, a virgin named Mary, who was betrothed to a man, Joseph, who was of the family of King David. And Mary, just a, a young girl, is visited by this angel, and she's terrified, and she wonders, what in the world could this possibly mean? Who am I that an angel would come and see me? Is this possible that I'm hallucinating? Why would an angel come and see me? I'm just a child. And the angel says, Greetings, you who are highly favored and on whom God's favor rests. You are going to conceive and give birth to a child and you will name him Joseph and he will sit on the throne of his father David and of the the reign of his rule there will be no end. And Mary says, how could this possibly be? How could this possibly be since I'm a virgin and I've never known a man? And the angel says, with God, nothing, 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 not a single thing is impossible. No word, no message from the Lord will ever fail. The power of God will overshadow you and the power of the the Most High will will indwell you so that the child born in you will be called the Son of the Most High. And Mary says, let it be unto me as you say. You see Mary there in that place is confronted with the same question. Will she welcome the light or will she say no? Everything is at stake for this young girl. She's betrothed. She has her own fairy tale dreams like every girl her age of her, her perfect wedding and of how many kids she'll have and of where they'll live and what they'll do and, and what her and Joseph's life will look like. And if she says yes, she will be shunned. There's a chance she will be stoned to death for bearing a child out of wedlock for being considered an adulteress, for her reputation will be shot, her marriage will be annulled, she will be sent away. She doesn't know how she'll provide for the child, she doesn't know how she'll provide for herself or where she'll live. She risks everything because that's what the light demands. The light will not be content in a corner, it must illuminate all. And Mary there says, yes, let it be to me as you have said. And we're told that she immediately packs up and she goes to see her cousin Elizabeth living in the hill country of Judea. Elizabeth, this elderly woman who has felt disgraced her entire life, who has felt stigmatized and written off as less than and not good enough and and unfaithful and unloved by anyone and any God. This woman who her whole life has heard snickering behind her, her ears, who has who has perceived judgment from the people around her, sees this young girl walk in, and it's her turn. She now has to, is confronted by this, this, this young, young woman who has conceived a child even before she's married. And Elizabeth has lived decade after decade of marriage, after trial, after temperatures, after doctor, after doctor, after fertility treatment, after fertility treatment, with nothing. And she finally conceives as she has to play second fiddle to this young whippersnapper. And Elizabeth is confronted with, will she resent the Lord's plans or will she welcome the light? Will she let the light into her life as well? 
And we're told that as soon as Mary walks into Elizabeth's house, that the baby inside of Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy. And Elizabeth says, Who am I that the mother of my Lord would come and see me? Who am I that the mother of my Lord would come and visit me? That she says, Blessed are you among all women, that you will be called servant of the Most High. And she honors the child growing in in Mary. And she welcomes the light, even though it will mean that that her son will be the forerunner of the the Messiah and not the Messiah, even though it means uh, she has to, to die to what she thinks she deserves for all of her righteous living and all of her faithful life. Even when it means that somebody else gets all the credit and all the glory and somebody else's name goes down first. And she gets overlooked. She welcomes the light because the light is worth it. And yet the story still hangs in the balance because we now have one happy couple excited about a child that will be born, but we have a young woman who is pregnant and betrothed. And so we're told that there was a man named Joseph who was a righteous man who loved the Lord and was betrothed to Mary, planning on marrying her and already paying the bride price to make her his own when he finds out that she is with child. And there, assuming that she has come with child and not knowing where it, knowing it's not his, knowing that it didn't come um, from his uh, line, he does what anyone does. He decides he will not publicly disgrace her by calling her an adulteress publicly, but he will divorce her and put her aside quietly. He will annul their engagement very quietly, and he will move on with his life, brokenhearted and destroyed, that the woman he thought he would spend forever with has made a choice that has prevented that. And then he goes to sleep one night, and there in his bed as he dreams... The Lord visits him and says, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child that is in her womb is from the Lord and has been conceived by the Holy Ghost. You will take Mary home and you will make her your wife and you will name that child Jesus. You will adopt him and raise him as your own. You will take ownership and responsibility for his education and for his maturation, for disciplining him and instructing him, for growing him in wisdom and stature, for teaching him trades and and reading and writing arithmetic and Joseph too has to make a decision will he welcome this light will he accept this woman and this child that he has had no part in making will he grow his family through adoption even if it means his reputation and his job even if it means he has to live his life in poverty even if he has to move to a foreign country and immigrate in order to preserve his family's safety And Joseph decides that he too will welcome the light, even if it cost everything. And we're told that not long after, a census was called by Caesar Augustus during the the governorship of a man named Quirinius in Syria. And so every person went to their hometown and Mary and Joseph went up to Bethlehem because Joseph was from the line of King David. And there when they were in Bethlehem, it came time for her to give birth to her child and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in swaddling bands and laid him in a manger for there was no extra room for them to spend the night in. 
And nearby there were shepherds keeping watch over their flocks, these dirty, filthy men who spent their life outside guarding, protecting animals in the open range from predators like wolves and lions who spent their their lives risked for somebody else's money. These overlooked, not invited in, not looked after shepherds. And there, as they watch over these flocks, as they sing uh, soothing lullabies over the sheep, it says that the, the sky broke forth and suddenly there was a heavenly host announcing that today in, this, in David's town, a child has been born who is Christ the King. Go and see him. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. And suddenly there was a whole multitude, a heavenly host, singing in heaven, glory to God most high and on earth peace among those on whom his favor rests. And these shepherds, these dumbfounded men have to sit there and say, what was that? Like there's no way that was real life. That had to have been like an aberration. Maybe we had some, uh, uh, maybe we had some, some bad corned beef hash for dinner. There's no possible way that angels appear to us out here in the middle of nowhere. Did anybody else see it? Did you see it? Did I see it? And then they have to make one of those crazy decisions. Will I accept the light? Will I be willing to go door to door, manger to manger in Bethlehem looking for a child in the middle of the night? You go door to door, manger to manger, cradle to cradle. And Tan, you're liable to get shot in the middle of the night. You're at least liable to get called crazy and foolish and and a lunatic. Will they look foolish? Will they risk their lives to go and find this child? And they have to decide, will they? And and ultimately they say, yes, we will go. And so they go and they find the baby just as he is. And they they bow down and they worship him. And they tell the Mother Mary about everything they've seen. And they welcome the light. And then they return home. Praising God. And finally, Mary and Joseph find a place to live and they're there at home one afternoon or one evening and all of a sudden there's a knock at the door and it's these dudes from a faraway country, these magi, these magician, astrologers, astronomers, these rich as king people and they've come from far on camels bearing laden packs. And they say, we have come to worship him who has been born king of the Jews. We have followed his star We followed his star day and night until it has led us to this place. Where is he? And they come into the house and they find the child with his mother and father. And it says that they bowed down and they worshipped him. You see, they had already made their choice long ago when they saw the star rise in the uh, west. When they saw the star come and rise, they were in the east, so the star would have been in the west. That's how you get that. The song is wrong. You You can just mark it out in the hymnal and put west. Uh, and they say, and then they have to make their choice. Will they risk their jobs in order to tell their king that they're going to go find a new king and worship him? Will they risk their wealth and their lives as they travel through faraway land? Will they spend what they have in order to go and to see and to welcome the light that has come into the world? And they do. And they find the light. And they bow down and they open their sacks and they give frankincense and myrrh and gold to the new king who has been born. 
And so the light has grown one by one by one, and it goes on to grow one by one by one by one, because no one in the history of the world has ever been born a Christian. Every Christian that has ever been has been made, has come to believe because someone has shared the gospel story with them, until finally, 2,000 years later, there's 200 of us sitting on a completely different island, separated by thousands and thousands of miles in race and culture and language and history and technology, and we're telling this story, the same story of light invading the world. And the question comes to you and to me as it came to Mary and Joseph, to Zach and to Liz, to the shepherds and the wise men. Will you welcome the light? Or will you try to put him in the corner? Will you try to abort God's plan? Will you try to snuff out what God wants to do? Will you give in to despair and decay and nihilism? Or will you welcome the light and defy darkness and tyranny, evil and slavery? Will you surrender all that you know of you to all that you know of God? The God who loved you and me enough to be born in a manger, to grow up as a refugee, to live life as a, as a beggar, to teach for free, to heal and to be blessed with curses, to be whipped and ridiculed, mocked and scorned, disowned and tortured, ultimately died and buried in a borrowed tomb. Who loved you enough to do all that, who thought all that was well worth his while to have you. Will you trust all of what you know of you to all of what you know of that one? Will you welcome the light? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this story. Very likely the only story that matters, the story that all other stories point to and echo, the story that that grabs our heart, the story that is more fantastic than any fantasy, that is more miraculous than any miracle, that is too good to be just a good story, that that, that grabs at our hearts, that, that moves us to our core. I pray today that we will surrender ourselves to you again, that you will be born in us this day. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who was and is the Christ. Amen. Let us now prepare our hearts for communion by singing in our hymn books on page 287, a communion hymn for Christmas. Please stand to sing. Gathered round your table on this holy Your cross most holy. 
seated and the elders who are serving communion can come forward. Before Jesus died, he gave us a way to respond again and again and again to receiving the light, to partnering with his great conspiracy to overthrow darkness in the world and to fill every nook and cranny of God's creation with the light and the glory and the splendor it was meant to bear to remind us again and again to come to this place where we say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, you have all of me, yes, Lord. That place is communion, that place is the Lord's Supper, that place is here together as we feast on God, on Christ's body and blood, where we say again, this is Christ, broken for me, given for me, this is whom I worship. At Christmas, we especially remember that we don't worship the presents under the tree, We don't even worship the family around the tree. We worship the God who died on the tree. As we come to this moment, I want to remind you or just tell you the truth that this is not a Presbyterian table. This is not Oakland's table. This is not a Catholic table or a Methodist table or a Baptist table. This is the Lord Jesus Christ's table. And He is the host at this meal. And He invites to His supper all who earnestly repent of their sins and want to walk in newness of life, who are trying to trust God to lead their lives. How much faith does it come to this, take to come to this meal? How much faith does it take to be welcome at Christ's table? In the words of my buddy Mike, a little bit more than none. And so if that's you, if you've just discovered faith in your heart for the first time, then tonight would be a great time to have communion for the first time. If you've been a believer for as long as you can remember, then tonight would be a great time to have communion and to reaffirm your commitment to the Lord. As we come to the Lord's table, let's pray together. Gracious and merciful God, 
It is truly right to give you our thanks and praise at all times and in everywhere. And so we add our voices to the saints all around the world throughout time and throughout the generations. And we add them even with the voices of the angels and the archangels and all the heavenly hosts to cry, Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. The, the heavens declare your praises. We too add our amen and say yes, for by your blood you, Jesus Christ, Lamb of God, have bought from every tribe and tongue and nation men and women to serve as priests and kings for our God. And by your blood you have washed them forever white, you have cleansed them forever of all guilt and shame, and you have made them pure and spotless, blameless, pure as driven snow that you alone are worthy of our praise and our thanks and our adoration. You alone are worthy of our lives. For when we were valueless, you came and you made us your treasure. And so we have made you our treasure as well. That with all we are, we honor you. With all we have and all we are, we honor you. We bless you. Bringing all that we are and all that we have, we come into this place knowing that not everyone is fully well. And so we pray for those who are sick in body, mind, or spirit. Would you heal the sick? Would you cheer the depressed? And would you deliver the tormented? We pray for those places that are marred with violence, from homes that are, that are scarred with abuse and anger, to whole countries and lands and geographic zones that are marred with, with, with violence and conflict. We pray for peace. We pray for peacemakers. Father, would you make us into those who make peace? Would you sow peace among the nations that, victory, that, that reconciliation might bear witness to your gospel? We pray for your church everywhere as she celebrates your incredible birth and your saving death. Would she love you well and make you famous in this world? Would your church on every street corner and in every house around the globe, would she be a lighthouse for lost souls, a hospital for broken people, an incubator for servants who will love this world that you died for? We pray that we at Oakland would be all about you, Jesus. That our names would disappear in the annals of history so long as they're remembered on the palms of your hand. And that you, Jesus, would be in all and through all and above all. That you would be the name that is on our lips and in our hearts as we gather around our celebrations today and tomorrow and every day. We thank you for loving us, for dying for us, and for teaching us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The babe born in Bethlehem later sat in Jerusalem with, at dinner with his disciples. And on the night before he was betrayed and mur brutally murdered, he sat at dinner with them. And after dinner, he took bread and he gave thanks. And he broke it. He said, this is my body which is given for you. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. 
And in the same way, after supper, he took a cup and he said, You've heard of the old covenant, which was sealed in Sinai with the blood of bulls and lambs. Well, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is sealed in my blood, which I pour out for you for the forgiveness of sins. All of you drink of it. Do this in remembrance of me. The Bible tells us that every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, we're reminded that we have been reconciled to God and reconciled to one another. And we proclaim to a world that doesn't yet understand that though darkness may still taunt, light has come and darkness has comprehended it not. We proclaim Jesus' saving death until he comes again at the second Christmas. And boy, I can't wait. So come, let us feast at the Lord's table. We'll have communion today by an ancient method called intinction. We'll come down the center aisle row by row, take a piece of bread, dip it into the cup, eat it, and then return to your seat on the outside row. If you're unable to come forward, the servers will serve you in, their, in your seat after everyone has been served. Come, taste and see that the Lord is good.
We would not willingly rob anyone of a chance to receive communion. Is there anybody who would like to receive that is not received? Okay. Jesus said, Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness that God provided for their needs miraculously in the desert. And yet they still died. I am the true bread which comes down from heaven. Whoever eats of my body will never die. And though he die, yet will he live. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come, and I will give you rest for your souls. Why do you spend your money on things that cannot satisfy your heart? Why do you work your fingers to the bone for things that cannot fill your soul? Come to me, and I will give you rest. Let's pray. We thank you that in this moment you have come and been born in us today, that you have fed us in our hearts. We just say thank you, Jesus, with no flowery words or anything really to add to it. We just simply stop and say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. As one more physical act of accepting what God's doing at Christmas 2,000 years ago and what He's continuing to do in the world of remaking men and women. We're going to light candles now. This may seem like a, a trivial or an odd thing. When I was growing up, it was my absolute favorite part of church for the entire year. It was like fireworks at, Christ- at 4th of July, like candles at Christmas. Like the, that was it. We got to light things on fire. It was the best day of the year. But the Bible says that, that those who have put their trust and faith in Jesus, that He gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit, that God's presence actually takes up residence in you. My friend, uh, my friend Uncle Victor uh, Chowdhury in India, he says, if you believe in Jesus, then you are a walking, talking, two-legged temple of the Holy Ghost. That's what you are, a walking, talking, two-legged temple of the Holy Ghost. Where you are, there is a temple there. Where you go, the temple of God goes. What you say, you speak as a representative on God's behalf. That where God has placed you, He's put you there as a missionary and a minister to bind up the brokenhearted, to loose the chains of injustice, to heal the sick and to cheer the depressed. If you're willing to sign up to be his missionary and his minister, to let Jesus serve you that you might serve others, then I welcome you, I invite you to receive this light, which we'll take from our Christ candle. We'll light the front, the, the person on the aisle's candle, and then you can pass, you can figure out how to light each other's without lighting each other on fire. I'm going to trust the adults or the kids or somebody on the aisle to figure that out as our friend Michelle sings a beautiful song to us.
kid we used to sing a song that my mom and dad taught me would go it only takes a spark to get the fire going and that's how it is with God's love once you've experienced it you want to share you want to pass it on you Christian are a Christian because somebody loved you enough to tell you the truth about the world, about your sin, and about God's love. You were here because somebody loved you and passed the light to you, and you will go into the world and you will pass light to others. Alone, a single candle is not good for much, but together, candles can light up a dark room. A group this size bearing light into this community could start a forest fire, spiritually speaking. Don't go start any forest fires, Smokey the Bear. And so we're going to finish our service using just the power of these candles to remind us that together, under the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we are forced to be reckoned with, and we stand in defiance of darkness and tyranny of evil and of sin. Let's sing together by candlelight. Using just the power of our voices and no piano, let us turn on the back of our bulletins and sing the first verse of Silent Night, Holy Night. standing and making a statement of declaration and of defiance. You can stand with me as we read John 1, the first 18 verses, John's Christmas story. You've heard it told by me, now hear it told by John. Let's say these words together as printed on the back of your bulletin. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Out of His fullness we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made Him known. Friends, on this Christmas Eve, hear again this benediction. If you have put your trust in Jesus, if you have welcomed Christ and believed on His name, then you've heard it from John chapter 1. Then He has given you the right to be called a child of God. And so I declare that you are a child of God, the Father Most High, bought with the blood of Jesus who loved you so much He'd rather die than live without you, who's given you His Holy Spirit, His Holy Bible, and His Holy Church that you might know this, believe it, and learn to live like it's true. So go into the world and be salt and light to a world that is dying for hope. Support the weak, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the poor, honor all of life. Return no one evil for evil, but overcome evil with good. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship and the power and the conspiracy of the Holy Spirit give you power and peace this day and every day. Merry Christmas, guys. Let us go out declaring our joy by singing Joy to the World. As you exit, you may sing along with me, and you can continue singing. There should be baskets outside that you can place your candles in. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Nature.